just going to have this to back it up. Okay. All right, so welcome back to Cracks in Postmodernity. Today we have Gigi Albuquerque, who is a journalist and an academic researcher based in Recife, Brazil. Did I say it right? Yeah, <laughs> you did right. <laughs> okay. Tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got into writing about uh, funky music. Okay, I'll try to do my best. I'll do my best here for you to understand my English, <laughs> okay? Uh, well, uh, I wanted to be a journalist, a music journalist, since I was a teenager. Um, my father and my grandfather worked uh, in a radio station, so I kind of, uh, I was very close to journalism and all of that. And, but, I, but they worked uh, in police, uh, news and stuff like that. And I was interested in culture, specifically music. And then uh, I said to myself, well, I have to listen to all kinds of music. So I listened to, I don't know, from Miles Davis to Buzum, from jazz to black metal and classical and stuff like that. Uh, but at the time, uh, there were, the funk movement was growing here in Brazil and uh, in Recife also. Recife, my city, has a, a specifically, specific, um, a different type of funk that we called Brega Funk. And these scenes were emerging in, at that time. So I was connecting to this music. And later when I became a professional journalist working at newspapers and all of that, I said, man, I have to write about these because there people, uh, a few people are writing about the, the music and people were, there were people looking at the social aspects of it, but I was interested also in music and the artistic value of this music is expression. So that was it. Interesting. So for those who don't know, what what is it that makes funk distinct? Like what are the, the sonic elements in mm -hmm. terms of the instrumentation and all that? Okay. Well, um, going to the history of funk, right? Um, there's a, just one, one, uh, one, one thing that I want to, to clear here. Uh, people use, usually talk about funk carioca, right? So you probably heard this, but carioca is, uh, it means something that is from Rio de Janeiro, the city, Rio de Janeiro. But funk here in Brazil comes from different cities and different states. So I think it's more, it's, we should use, I don't know, body funk maybe, or just funk. But this funk uh, came, uh, it had a lot of influence from um, different types of electronic dance music from um, my bass, especially my bass, electro, there were songs, um, there, there's uh, a lot of music that use 
Kraftwerk samples, a lot of music that use the beats of uh, the 808, you know, I am bass and stuff like that. But gradually, we the scene became more Afro-Brazilian. They use a lot of Afro-Brazilian culture elements, like berimbau. It's a instrument, um, a percussion instrument. And they used this, and they were creating a different kind of electronic music that came from uh, hip hop, rap, and all of that, but were gradually becoming more um, Brazilian, you know? Mm-hmm. And now this goes to, uh, now we have a more different types of funk, you know? There's a particular funk being played in Sao Paulo, for example, that is called uh, Stragafone. How can, let, let me see, how can I translate that? Um, something that will break your headphone, you know, because it is really noisy and high-pitched. It's, it's really aggressive. And it's really different from, I don't know, it's, I have the, when I listen to this uh, Stragafone funk, I have a feel, I have the same feeling like when I hear the Singeli music from Tanzania, it's so radical and so groundbreaking. I don't know uh, any music like that, you know? What is it that makes it radical and groundbreaking? I think, uh, well, let me see if I can explain what I think here. Uh, first of all, um, um, the electronic music, dance music, it's based on the bass, right? Bass gives the kind of danceability, you know? Yeah. And this funk being played right now in Sao Paulo, but or in other states, you have different experimentations and innovations. But this specifically, specific uh, type of funk, it's based on high pitch, no, high pitch frequencies, and that's why that happens because the drug that they use in the street parties called uh, fluxus. Fluxus or baile de rua, that would be something like uh, street parties. Um, it's called Lolo or, or Lança, that it's a drug that uh, creates a, 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 a hallucination mm-hmm. with high pitches. So it's really connected to what is uh, the dance and the drugs and the experience of that specific party. You know, yeah. So I think it's a connection, a, a really uh, intelligent connection that the producers create with the sounds and the dance and the bodies on the the parties. Okay, so it sounds like it's trying to create this almost out of body ecstatic experience. But yeah. so then, I, like why do you think they came up with this or like what 
what gave birth to such a kind of sound or an experience in the first place? Okay. Um, that's hard to, to tell, but I think, first of all, um, the guys that create this music are not, they were not trained in music, formal music, right? They learn music through FL Studio and different softwares, different dolls, right? And they have uh, a different approach to music. They don't care, they don't talk about uh, melodies and harmonies or, or even rhythms. They, they talk about uh, the sensation that the, the music provokes. And they would talk about uh, they they talk about about they talk about a lot about uh, the bass and and the high pitches. They are really um, they have a really frequential approach to music. You know what I, you, can you understand what I, what I'm saying? It That's makes sense. Mm -hmm. And also connected to that party experience because they. It's not that they create the music and the people dance to it. <laughs> the dance comes first, you know? Mm. This is really interesting. And, and they mentioned that when I create the music, I'm always thinking about the dance that the people will, will, will make it, you know? Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm really interested in the way that, um, I guess the production, the composition of the music shapes the uh the social or the cultural mm -hmm. experience because you know i am removed from this cultural context for the most part but when i hear this music there's something about that percussion pattern that does yeah. speak to that kind of deeper level like it brings out this you know again this desire for something out of body something that's like brings you out of where you are in the moment to something higher even um mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, like there's how there's something to be said about, you know, what gave rise to this kind of sound. So uh, that's why I'm curious to just understand more about the cultural impact. I, I know like you're more focused on the, I guess the instrumental and the musical part, but what can you say about the cultural significance of funk? Mm -hmm. I think funk gives meaning to favelas, favelas mm -hmm. or slums. Because like samba did it in the, in, in the past, it still does, but funk's more popular right now. Yeah. There's a song called Baile de Favela. You probably heard it's huge, right? And in the lyrics says a lot of um, places, a lot of favelas and uh, where it parties, bailes are happening. So he's giving, he's talking about these places with pride, you know, and not, uh, it goes beyond uh, the favela that we see in the news that are violent places with uh, uh, drug dealers and crimes and, you know, poverty. I think funk um, gives meaning and a, a culture to these places these, uh, that we see in the news in a bad way, in a bad sense. They are 
the the frame that they they show us in the TV and the news in a in a negative sense. We saw, we see that even in another aspect in funk, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's making me think of um, they have that Netflix series Sintonia. Did you? Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. How accurate that is of a depiction of the life. Mm -hmm. of but, but it was interesting to me that you know there are these three main characters yeah. one to be you know a funk mc the other is dealing drugs the other you know exactly religious kind of journey and it's interesting because i think the the kid i think it's mc doni so like he kind of embodies what both of his friends are doing because the one he's selling drugs because he wants to make money because survive. Yeah. And the girl, like she becomes very involved in the church because she's looking for like spiritual experience, find hope in the midst of a difficult life. And I think for Doni, it's like becoming an MC, he's gonna make money, which he he doesn't have, but also it gives him meaning, it gives him hope in his life. So it's, it's just thing about um the style of the music itself, that it is very uplifting and again, like makes you kind yeah. of something greater in life but also it says something about the cultural context that it's coming from a place where there's there's this deep desire for meaning for a better life exactly know? yeah and they also give give them a, a name in the personality you know because when you're in the favelas or you're a black person a poor black person in brazil um, you're no one, right? The, the state uh, doesn't give you protection or health. You don't have nothing. You're living on your own. So you seek funk or you seek, uh, you, you try uh, football, soccer, to be, to be someone, to have a name and be noticed by people, right? It's something that makes you give you a stage, right? People were looking at you and you have uh, importance to other people. And you, you mentioned the Sintonia. Yes, I think Sintonia, it's, uh, I mean, it's a Netflix series, yeah. right? But it's, it makes sense. It makes sense because uh, church is also important and really, really important in favelas here. It's, a church is a is a shelter. They have a, a social, a political act that is huge. Yeah, but it also sheds light on the fact that the music itself also provides some kind of spiritual consolation, or again, the yeah. sense of life. You know. Um, yeah. So, with, with that being said, I'm curious to know more about. Um, the popularization of the music because I first I told you this like I first discovered it when you know on YouTube I was watching a J Balvin video and yeah. the suggestion MC feel that she came up with uh, boom boom down down so I, you know I, I listened to it and I was like okay this is it's interesting because you know I already know J Balvin on the remix but the sound was very new to me and then yeah. You see Anita being featured on more of these reggaeton songs. 
so then it, it was more on my radar and then i saw you know more and more people who aren't brazilian discovering this music so i don't know what can you say about how it became more and more mm -hmm. yeah um first of all i think it's important to say that we had like two different uh, setups in funk we, you have this mainstream funk that tries to be international and pop and you have this on like uh the funk that plays in, in favelas in the street parties like i, I was mentioning uh, the sound of it it's really different the sound of the favela funk is really aggressive noisy and this is something right uh they don't for the uh, for the these producers the noise is not a strange element you know people would say why make a dance music so loud and aggressive and aggressive they don't care it's, they don't see that as a problem and this uh, more this more pop pop focus funk that connects to reggaeton and other types of urban or latin music whatever you name it um they want to be in that position right so uh, the the main the, the major uh rep representative of this this i don't know this uh form this kind of funk is Kunzila. you probably heard of he is the he has the his youtube channel he produces uh, music videos he also produced sintonia that, that you mentioned and it's also a kind of a record label but not exactly and connected to marketing and advertising and his artists kevin MCJP, that is Donny in Sintonia, uh, MC Kekel, want to be more pop music. So you see that the, the video clips of Kunzila from 2017 and on, they don't have uh, guns in their, the videos. They want to put less women on bikinis because they say that is bad for connecting with brands brands um they don't have um i don't know how how you guys talk palavrons like dirty words the, the the music the lyrics are not explicit you know yeah it's it's in versions yeah yeah clean versions and which is a kind of censorship, right? And because they want to be in a public, uh, uh, they want uh, get to more more people. They want to be, they want to go beyond the the lower classes. The artists are very white. A lot of them are white. So this is part of. Uh, uh, project of popularization, mainstreaming of funk, and they connect with a lot of other genres in, in the world. The Kondzilla talks about that. 
he, he says it's we want to be urban music movement we want to connect with kuduro we want to connect with reggaeton and so uh, that remix that you heard about with j balvin sorry mc fiot and j balvin it's part of that project you know but it's interesting because the that of the video of the remix you don't see nothing that characterizes brazil nothing's you it's like a, a music without a a, a a local you know you don't have a face there fiocchi is not there the dance are not funk movies funk moves right and the main uh, character of the the video is a white guy that beats a lot of black person uh, with his dancing skills. So there's a, a, move, a movement that cleans the, the local marks and the black culture marks in this mainstreaming process. Yeah, and it's interesting because on one hand, like I wouldn't know much about funk if I didn't start seeing that video. But on the yeah. other hand, it compromises the origins. Like if you want to really appreciate the music, then you're gonna have to, like somebody who's not from Brazil is gonna have to go do the research, is gonna have to go find out. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know, I, I, I see because I'm a little more focused on reggaeton, like you see how reggaeton is facing the same dilemma now that yeah. it's becoming this global pop this global urban sensation that's mixing with all these other genres which it's i think it's nice that the dembo rhythm pattern is being spread around the world because it's I and mean, it's a good one you know people should hear it but at what cost you know if yeah, it's exactly that it's not only is it becoming a like it's being very mixed with these other genres to the point that you lose sight of the origins you know and it's Part of it is racially driven that the origin, like this is Afro-diasporic music. You know, exactly. they, they want to play it as it's, um, like they say it's this, they use the term Latin ambiguously, but really like it started in Jamaica, it started with Panama and all the first artists were black, you know? So it's just, it's funny then when you see people like Balvin, Anita, Maluma, people coming together and it's like, oh, it's Latin music, but but what does that mean if we're going to use the term Latin so ambiguously? Like, yes, they together, but there are particularities, there are differences, you know. Yeah, and also it's strange when for Brazilian people, when you talk about Latin, Latin music, because um, in Brazil, we don't hear, we don't listen to Latin music, you know. <laughs> Brazil just listened to Brazilian music and American pop songs, pop hits. It's uh, uh, great. I mean, J Balvin, is people know him here because of Anita. Otherwise, they would never know. So the connections, uh, the culture, cultural connections of with Brazil and other countries are not so strong, are not mm. so... Because Brazil, 
it's a different language, right? We talk Portuguese and people talk Spanish. So, but it has influences, but it's different, but it's yeah. another, you know? Yeah, yeah I but I was, yeah, yeah. please, I, I was thinking about other. Because like Anita collaborates with these reggaeton yeah. artists, like, becoming more popular to listen to you know reggaeton or other spanish music in brazil mm -hmm. yeah but but even anita you know she um she started singing funk but now she's not exactly funk you know she's more like a pop diva and <laughs> sometimes she she connects she connects with funk to like get a, a street credit, you know, uh, maintain her reputation, but she's not a, a funk singer, you know, and not she's, she she started singing uh, as MC Anita. MC here in Brazil, if you have an MC in your name, you are a funk singer. And then she uh now she is just anita and this happened this happened with other pop funk artists like kevinho that was called mc kevinho kekel the two the, these are the two uh biggest artists from Godzilla. so it's not a coincidence you know this funk gets uh I don't know if, I'm sorry, I'm using a Portuguese word here. I don't know the English translation, but gets lost in a pop uh, approach. You know, the funk beats kind of gets lost. Yeah. No, so I, I want to move on to, you wrote a really interesting essay um, that I think it covers more than just fun. Like I know you talk about the origins of samba, but focusing on, again, the fact that these are forms of Afro-diasporic music. And that's, it comes with a lot of cultural, social baggage. Um, and what interested me most is because, you know, we focus a lot on the kind of philosophical implications of pop culture on, on the podcast. And you were saying something about, I guess this Western sense of like, Descartes separating the mind from the body and yeah. you call it like inc this incorporated philosophy where the music really together the mind the soul and the body the challenges I guess kind of western enlightenment narrative um yeah. it's like when I read that that really resonated with me because I don't know like even though I'm growing up I grew up in a very western kind of bourgeois secular environment where you know, we ascribe to even subconsciously, like we ascribe to a lot of Descartes' ideas about the dualism, the separation. I was always drawn to forms of music that didn't really recognize that distinction, that understood the, the mind and the body were very much united. And that when you listen to music, it, um, it kind of speaks to this reality, to this fact. And again, mm -hmm. it's like my cultural context is very different from the one where funk was born. And yet I recognize something to be true on that deeper human level. So I'm interested to hear more about what you're saying about the mind body operation and the Western kind of construct. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, the way we look at our 
humanity, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think I'm interested in something like uh, a sonic logos to use Julian Henrique's words. Um, because, yeah, like you mentioned, you have this uh, separation of mind and body. And I think this Afro-diasporical music is using the body as the main point where everything begins here. The dance comes first, as I, as I was saying. Um, so you, you experiment with your body and not despite your body, <laughs> you know? Uh, like uh, there's the, the history of uh, 150 BPM funk. It's a kind of funk that emerged around 2017. Um, what's, what, what's the story? Funk is made usually in 130 BPM, right? And, but in the parties, people were um, speeding up, pitching uh, the songs to become more faster and energetic. And they saw that create a, a joy in the people, the, the crowd, but the music was not good because sounds artificial, right? So the one producer called DJ Polyvox from Rio de Janeiro uh, thought I have to create a beat because you don't have, I need to create a, a music that's, uh, the music that we have now, it's not enough to provide the energy to that party, to that dance. So he created uh, the Tambor Coca-Cola, uh, a beat made with uh, the sounds, the noise of uh, uh, Coca-Cola, a Coke bottle, oh. yeah, hitting on, on a door. It's really amazing. I have a video that he explains how he created, I'll send you. And it's amazing because this, the sound of a, of a bottle hitting on, on, a, on a door, it's not a musical sound, right? It's not on the our harmony. I don't know how to say that, these technical terms in English, I'm sorry. But it's not considered a musical sound according to the Western view, right? But he gets this sound and creates that beat that will be uh, really important to create a new type of funk that will uh, renew the sound of you. Funk Carioca, right? Now it's the right term, the, the funk from Rio de Janeiro. And that becomes really popular. Anita goes to, will use uh, Funk 150 BPM. So I think this is one example of uh, incarnated philosoph philosophy or uh, sonic logos because you were thinking through sound, right? I don't know if, <laughs> I hope I, I, I make sense. <laughs>
No, no, it makes perfect sense. And it's, it's interesting to me because first of all, when I read that, that was, it was just exciting because this is the way that I usually think about music. Like, you know, I think um, the social implications, they're interesting. Sure. Um, you know, that musical components I think, I think this the social and the artistic are not so uh are not uh separated right yeah it's just about no, focus. and that's why it was interesting though that i just i don't find many people who have from this i guess this existential or philosophical level that brings together the different mm -hmm. and especially I, I you know I'm very interested in the concept of the logos because I don't know it's like something that I've studied a lot you know when you start with Plato and you see that at least for Plato for the ancients that it's it's projecting this sense of some ideal that transcends us and yet for the at least for the ancient Greeks like it's very much removed from our humanity from the body especially and I think yeah. you see you know you see, at least in, in Western Christianity, like they appropriate this concept of the logos and try to say, well, okay, you know, the logos becomes flesh. The logos has a body now through, you know, Jesus yeah. coming. But I think, you know, through the enlightenment, that sense of the transcendent, the spiritual being united to the body is lost because of people like Descartes. And then I guess that translates into the musical, the aesthetic sensibility. But this is precisely why I think this music is fascinating because it's bringing back that sense that some higher truth and our human bodies are very much in touch with each other. They're not two separated entities. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's just a lot about, I think, how much the diaspora, its legacy is kind of stifled and yet it's still, it remains alive. It still speaks to people as much as history has tried to repress it. Can you repeat this last part? I think I didn't get what you... Yeah, no, I'm just saying that forms of music, forms of art that come from the African diaspora, I think, at least in the West, it's been pushed away or it's been silenced. But yeah. the fact that it says something very true about what it means to be human, about, you know, who we are, and the yeah. fact that we're still alive today, even though, yes, like, it is repressed, it is silenced, it just it says something very powerful about yeah. the music, the art, you know. Sure, um, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what to say, but that's it. Uh, I think this this uh, I'll tell you a, a story. Uh, one day we meet. Uh, and a friend, you were in Rio de Janeiro for a festival, experimental music festival and stuff like that. And there were journalists. I don't remember where they were from, which country, but they were from Europe and white people from Europe. And they were talking with my, my friend that is a professor at a university, but also has a, a really great label here Brazil called KTV, KTV, three letters, and knows a lot about samba and stuff like that. And they record, recorded a show with him 
so they asked him, oh, bring some music and stuff like that. And he gave them a lot of music. So when he was record the, he went to record the, the show, the, the guys, he asked, oh, did you listen to the songs and stuff like that? No, we didn't listen, but we, we read, we read a lot about it. So, so yeah, that, that makes no sense. You have to listen to the music, right? <laughs> because the, the music, uh, that, because people, it's not possible to know the stuff without your senses, right? Without the experience, the, I mean, the sense, the sense you, I don't know how to say that in English, sorry. Sensible experiences, the experiencing, experiencing with your senses. Yeah. Um, you have to experience it with your senses to produce some knowledge, produce a kind of knowledge. You can't put the put music aside and just read about it. No, because yeah. music has a special thing on its own. Right, that's a, the the idea of sonic logos, really, uh, in really generally speaking. Right, it's not my concept, but that's uh, I, I thinking that sound itself, it's one kind of logo, a kind of thinking. Yeah. No, that's why it's so important that it's. Uh, again, it says something very true about who we are as humans, that we're not just that we have our mind and then our body is exactly true. Tool says something about what's true on a higher level, like on a rational level. Yeah. And this, uh, you talked about the Enlightenment, um, this was a, pro a political project, right? Because um, when you um, separated mind and, and body which people don't have mind are the the black people right the black and the native people so they can be slaves for us because they don't even have a mind they're not human after all so um this is uh, uh, it's not just it's, i'm not the only one saying that a lot of black scholars talk that the body becomes a, a medium of expression for black cultures. Roy talks about that, Bobby Royce talks about that, Stuart Hall talks about that, and many others. Yeah, so the body will have a significant role in Afro-diasporic cultural movements. Yeah, and it shows you that when you're when you're ascribing to ideas that are false or that i don't know aren't based on reality it has consequences there are repercussions you know yeah, yeah but sure what what i would want to ask you now just to to close up what impact has funk had on your life personally like what does it mean to you oh well, it's hard to describe because Music is so mysterious, right? <laughs> um, but I think funk made me understand Brazil, made me understand uh, myself, 
my race, my place in, in society. It made me understand all of that that I was talking with you. And also it's a, a source of joy and joy is really important. It's not, um, it's not just happiness, you know? It's more deep than that. And also gave me, created uh, a structure of friends and, and, and people and knowledge that uh, I acquired talking with a lot of different MCs and producers that I wouldn't have if, I, if it wasn't for funk. So that's it. There's a, a, a verse from a, a sambista, a samba player from Brazil called Zerra da Silva that he says, Se não fosse o samba, quem sabe hoje em dia eu seria do, do, do bicho. Like, if it wasn't samba, I would be a outlaw or a, a, a people that has nothing. So I think it's like that. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yeah. No. And so for people who are not familiar with funk yet, where do you think they should start? Like, which artists or which, I don't know, where can they learn okay. more? I think the contemporary artists. I I, I really like. Um, I'll try to say five, right, from different cities. MC Drica. It's. Uh, let me write for you. MC Drica. MC Ricky. Shevchenko e Peluco. This is uh, two singers, they sing together. Javichinko Yoloku, um, DJ K, that's a producer. And um, let me see one more. DJ Hamins. Awesome. So if you listen to this, these artists on YouTube and some clouds, you, the algorithms will take you <laughs> to really cool places. And they'll lead the rest of the way. But, so uh, speaking of YouTube, you have like a mini documentary on there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There. Yeah. I have a documentary about uh, Brega Funk that is... Uh, uh, different specific type of funk made here in Recife. Shevchenko and Eloku are uh, are from this movement, so you maybe you notice the differences. Yeah. Okay. So that's on YouTube. That's from Spotify Brazil, right? Exactly. Okay. And then, what uh, do you have any social media that you want to plug? Yeah, listening? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as o, o Volume Morto. It's my, uh, I post a lot because it's my, on Instagram, especially because it's my, it's the social media of my website, my blog. So everything that I write at some point goes there. 
I'll put here too. Cool. So I'll have a in the bio. Awesome. Well, Gigi, thank you for joining us. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. <laughs> I hope that <laughs> people can understand <laughs> what I was saying. <laughs> I'm sorry for the grammar errors. I'm I'm learning. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning. I have I'm having classes. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Thank you.